Main Street to Wall Street. Global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. From the C-suite to the mailroom, workers crave connection. 72% of workers worldwide say they feel lonely at least once a month. Today's guest wants to change that. Stephen Van Cohen co-authored a book called Connectable, How Leaders Can Move Teams from Isolated to All In. In the book, Stephen and his co-author, Ryan Jenkins, offer practical ways to lessen loneliness, reduce isolation, and boost belonging in your organization. Stephen, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. It's great to be here, Jeffrey. It is good to be here. Do you sometimes feel lonely yourself? You know, in the book, I detail a story when I moved from the big city of Chicago, Illinois, to a tiny little town called Elko, Nevada. And it took about four months for me to go from feeling really connected to being debilitatingly lonely. And yes, I have felt it. It is terrible. And I'm on a mission to help people not have to go through it themselves. Well, you know, and with a lot of people moving, you know, back into their homes, into the office out of working out of their homes, you can feel that way. I tell a lot of people, you have to get out of that office. So, and you worked with some of the biggest brands. What drew you to tackling workplace loneliness? So my co-author and business partner, Ryan, is an expert on the future of work, and he has a specialization in emerging generations. And he wrote a book called The Gen Z Guide. And we learned that Gen Z is the loneliest generation on the planet. And in 2018, we learned that 73% of Gen Zers feel regularly lonely. Why is that? I mean, that just seems kind of weird. I don't don't mean to say it like that, but that's that's a fairly unique kind of statistic, as opposed to baby boomers or Generation X or what? You would think that Gen Z, and for those who don't know, it's 25-year-olds and younger, you would think they just got out of high school or just got out of college. They still live at home with their parents. They're still closely tied to friends that they've had through most of their life. And yet they are the loneliest generation on the planet. And there's a whole chapter in the book for why that is, but I'll give you two reasons that is setting this future generation up to be living in a world that's very different than how we grew up. And one of the reasons is what's called dependency shift. So 20 years ago, if I was going to take a date out, I'd call a friend to figure out what restaurant to go to. If something broke in my house, I'd go talk to a neighbor. And if I had the need for advice, I'd go maybe call my mom or dad. And today, if I need to take a date out, I go to Yelp. If something breaks in my house, I go to YouTube. If I need advice, I go to Google. So the amount of energy and attention that we need from each other from a helpfulness standpoint has just been eradicated. Now I'm self-sufficient. I don't need anybody else to figure anything out. And we're using technology to replace a lot of the knowledge and wisdom and just interactions that we have with the people around us. So for Gen Zers, they don't know a world before Google. They're younger than Google. So their entire existence has been rooted in this this platform where they can get all the answers they need anytime, anywhere. The second problem is due to busyness. So when we're busy, we have less margin to take time to connect with the people around us. And this generation is busier than ever, right? They're included in all kinds of extracurricular activities. They're entering the workforce and they're grinding because they want to make you know good first impressions. Yeah, and a lot and, of them, if I can say, Stephen, grew up in activities, meaning as parents, a lot of parents made sure every moment of their day was scheduled. There wasn't a lot yeah. of free time for anything to like, hey, go find yourself, right? 
Yeah. And because of busyness, this dependency shift, the way that they communicate, which is mostly through digital mediums, it's just created a very lonely generation. And when we look at the statistics, a lot of us, regardless of our generation, feel lonely. You mentioned the stat at the beginning that 72% of people feel lonely monthly, but this isn't a COVID thing. In 2018, before the pandemic, 61% of Americans said that they feel regularly lonely. That was a 7% increase from 2017. And if you look at the trend, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. So it's a, it's a big problem that we need to be aware of and start to put some solutions to. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I don't want to be with anybody. So I'm just trying to, <laughs> I'm the opposite of that. But, you know, and then it's interesting. You're talking about this group, you know, grew up, you know, and they're younger than Google. And well, I know baby boomers haven't figured out Google yet. So it's a big <laughs> thing. Hey, I don't want to be lonely. But I've got to take a quick break and talk to some of our sponsors, and we'll be right back after this message. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. C-Suite Radio. Hey, everybody. We are back and we're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazel right here on C-Suite Radio. I'm talking to Stephen Van Cohen. He's the author of the book, Connectable, How Leaders Can Move Teams from Isolated to All In. It's available now. Get this. And we're talking about being lonely. Stephen, I keep thinking about, as you're talking about this phenomenon that's going on, I just keep hearing that song. One is the loneliest number that you've ever heard. Do you remember that song? Of course. Of course. That's a classic from the 60s. It is a classic. Well, most people listening to this don't even remember that song because they're just uh, they're so much younger. So how did you do the research for the book? So I'm a corporate consultant and my partner and I do lots of corporate events. And as we started to write the book, we were doing these virtual webinars for clients like the Home Depot and Blackstone and Salesforce and a whole bunch of others. And well, we way, way to throw out some big names, by the way, name dropper. That was I got I got to get my credibility. That was good. Some, that was good. Right. <laughs> and we use an anonymous polling software. So as the thousands of people who have attended these events, they were participating actively in our study. And one of the questions was, how often do you feel lonely? Daily, weekly, monthly, rarely, never. So that was one. There was a whole bunch of questions about why you feel lonely and when loneliness occurs and where you're the most lonely. And we surveyed over 2,000 global workers through these events. And that's where most of the data came from. That's phenomenal. And it's interesting. You said that COVID didn't cause this. Now, I would have thought COVID was a big contributor to this. Is COVID at all or work from home impacted loneliness? It has to. It has to. It did. But it's not a COVID problem. Right. So not caused if you look specifically at, by that, right? Okay. Yeah, this isn't a human emotion. And people have been feeling lonely for a long time. And COVID has put a spotlight on it. And it's exasperated the feeling for many of us because we're now navigating a world that's kind of 
uncharted and unfamiliar, but it's not specifically because of the pandemic that people feel this way. This is something that's been happening for millennia. So does loneliness look different at the office compared to work from home? We got to start with the definition. Loneliness isn't the absence of people. Loneliness is the absence of connection. And when we think about connection, it's not just connection with others. It's connection with ourselves. It's connection with our work. It's connection with our community, connection with our family. There's all of these connection points. When we start to feel lonely, it's because the connection points between these really important criteria in our life are just not being met in one form or fashion. And when it comes to the connections with people, you know, the remote work is definitely making things worse because now most of our interactions are transactional and we're communicating a lot, but that doesn't equate to connecting. The part of our brain that registers communication is different than the part of the brain that registers connection. So we can communicate with people all day, every day, but that doesn't mean we feel close to them or they're seeing us or they're understanding us or they're empathizing with us or they're curious about who we are. And because we're so busy, that margin to actually take time to connect is being just eradicated altogether. Is devices playing a part of this? Now, I I seem as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, put down the device, folks, put it down and go make a connection in some way. Now, you can make a connection through a device or with the device. I know we're always connected. We're only one, you know, what, 95% of the people are only one arm length away from their phone at any given time. It's the most personal device ever invented in the history of the world. But is that part of the problem? Yeah, what happens is the communication that we have through a device gives us a connection head fake. Because we're receiving those communications through our IMs or our social media or whatever methodology we're using, it feels like we're connected, but we're not. Mm-hmm. What allows us to feel connected is good old-fashioned, time-tested, face-to-face conversations, giving somebody a high five, really feeling the pain points that someone's going through when they're talking to you. It's the close proximity of two people in the same room. They're called pro-social behaviors. The pro-social behaviors is what allows us to feel the connections that we need. And it's interesting because our devices is definitely causing a big disconnect. The average American touches, taps, or swipes their phone 2,617 times a day. Whoa. By the way, that's more that's more steps than most people in most Americans <laughs> take in a day, quite frankly. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's alarming. That's alarming. So we are unaware of just how much time we're spending on that device. And unless we pick our head up and unless we're intentional about putting the phone away and interacting with the people around us or finding places in our home where it's a device-free zone so we can just be present with the people in our lives, it's going to be a huge distractor that takes away from those pro-social interactions that we need. And going to get worse, I think, for a long time. So how does our culture you know, which is something to keep us busy at every single turn every day. How does that play into loneliness? We have an always on hustle culture. Yeah. And as long as we put emphasis on productivity, we're going to oftentimes intentionally and unintentionally step over the people who need us. One of the best strategies that we talk about in the book is this idea of being interruptible. And being interruptible happens countless times throughout the day where someone else is vying for my attention. And many of us will just not give that person the nod they need because we're so focused on getting this thing done that that person can wait. And the more we do that and the less interruptible we are, the less likely we're going to show that person that they matter, 
give that person the time they need, even though it's disruptive. And it's going to create this culture, this continued culture of my task is more important than you. And until I get this thing done, I don't have the ability to give you my undivided attention. And that's a big problem. And I am worried that that will continue to be the norm for many years to come. Well, I want to touch more on that when we come back. I need to make a connection, okay? I need to make a connection with my advertisers because that's what, <laughs> that's what keeps me from being lonely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. C-Suite Radio. Hey, everyone. We are back. This is Jeffrey Hizzett, and you're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hizzett right here on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network, and watching us right here on C-Suite TV. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm talking with Stephen Van Cohen. He's the co-author of a book called Connectable, How Leaders Can Move Teams from Isolated to All In. And we're all needing that right now. So I encourage you to go out to Amazon or wherever you buy a book and check out the book. Not even check it out, buy it, because that's what it's all about. We're still buying books. We're still reading books. And you can learn how to avoid loneliness. We just learned the difference between lonely and loneliness. So that's a good thing. Now, before the break, Stephen, you were talking about really about how employers really need to connect better with their employees so that they're more productive by not being so, you know, not experiencing this loneliness. But, you know, I find that hard for employers to probably want to do. Because one, I don't think... They identify with it because a lot of employers, you know, bosses are a little bit older. Uh, we give them that. And they probably aren't connecting to this thing. Well, here's some statistics to put it a bit more on people's radars. When an employee is feeling lonely, they're seven times more likely to be disengaged. They're five times more likely to miss work due to stress or illness. And they're twice as likely to think about quitting their job. Those whoa. are all really... Yeah. Okay, whoa. Now you got my attention. Right? Whoa, right. So this is not... You know, we think about loneliness as being a soft topic. It's not a soft topic, yeah. dire topic, because when someone is going to work and they feel unseen, lonely, disconnected, however you want to classify it, it is impossible for them to do deep, meaningful work. What happens in our brain when we feel lonely is the part of our brain that lights up is the same part of the brain that registers physical pain. When we feel lonely, our brain is in a fight or flight. It's releasing stress hormones because... So many years ago, when we had to fight saber-toothed tigers and take down woolly mammoths, we knew our survival was tied to a group, a tribe, a set of other people who could protect us and share resources and do what was needed back then. And that hasn't gone away. So that exclusion, the bereavement that we feel still shows up in the brain as a high threat. This is a dangerous situation. And people are going to work with that part of their brain flashing on a regular basis, meaning they're distracted at best. They're debilitated at worst. And if leaders don't make good on getting people to feel connected to the work, the group, themselves as you know a leader and an employee, you are going to continue to see the millions of people leave their current employer to go find that because it's a biological requirement. We're seeing some of that with the great resignation right now. I think a lot of people are just saying after COVID, they just go, I, I don't want to do that anymore. I think that's the key word. They don't feel connected. And in some way, they just said, no, I'm going to go do it this way and, and go find the things that mean for me. But we're still finding out through your research, they're still having those sense of loneliness, right? 
Well, we have a, a biological requirement to connect. There's, you know, a homeopathic system that causes us to eat, sleep, drink. Mm-hmm. That's what we need for survival. There's a similar system that is going off that is forcing us to connect and feel a part of a tribe. And that biological requirement's not being met, to your point. We'll continue to see people leave. And it doesn't take a ton of research just to be able on a surface level to understand if I go to work and I don't feel like people care about me, people aren't really interested in who I am. If people aren't actively wanting my input, if I feel unseen, who wants to work and operate in an environment like that, right? That just is not a place that's going to allow people to show up fully. This is right. Showing up and and having good values as well. I mean, companies that have great values and practice these kinds of things actually do better than their competitors. They, they gross more, more revenue. They make more revenue. They have more engaged uh, employees, obviously, and certainly have customers who actually want to do more business with them. Those values, this is a good value to have. I first, I, when I heard you start talking about, oh God, God, here comes another hug. But yet you just showed me that those are real hard numbers. Those are things you can measure. There was a huge study that was done by BetterUp and there was a study that was done by Gallup and they have all of these numbers around the importance of belonging. And what it does to productivity. So with companies that have 10,000 or more employees, teams that have a strong sense of belonging, it's $52 million of increased productivity per year. Millions of dollars saved in people not missing work. Millions of dollars saved from people wanting to stay and actually recruit people to come into the company versus those who speak poorly about their employer and, and want to leave. There is a whole ton of data that supports that this is something that companies need to make a priority if they want to keep really good talent and if they want to have teams that are operating on a high level. That's awesome. It's great to see that. I love the, the sense of belonging. Hey, come! everybody can come and belong with the C-suite network. We're a tribe of trusted executives. <laughs> so we'll help you do that. We'll make it connect. We do the event every Friday, quite frankly, that's called Celebrate, where everybody comes together and it's a place just like you used to. When you used to head home after work, you'd stop off at the pub or the bar and meet a friend or two and you'd do some high fives or a pat in the back, or if you needed a hug because it was a really shitty week, you could do that. And we do that every yeah. single Friday. So we encourage people to do that. Now, we've been talking a lot about the symptoms and causes. What specifically can businesses do to combat this loneliness? There's three things that I'll go through pretty quickly. The first is to eradicate happy hours and offsites and try to make socialization something that right there. is an extracurricular. Like yeah. We shouldn't be trying to get people together after they've already worked a long day and they're tired and they want to go home to their friends and family. What we need to do is we need to integrate really seamless ways for us to get past the professional to see the actual person. And one of the techniques that I use with my clients is an activity called show and tell. And I have them channel their inner seven-year-olds. Ooh, that's cool. And the way that it works is every week at like the Monday morning kickoff meeting, one person that week shows one artifact, one item that has meaning to them. And in one of my clients, they're the largest chemical company in the world. And the guy showed his hiking boots and he talked about how he loves to hike. And he said that after that interaction, one of his colleagues, someone on his team who he's known for years messaged him and said, I love to hike too. And they started to talk about hiking. Or want to go on a hike. Yeah. And they became friends and it strengthened that connection by doing this 30 to 45 second activity once a week where each person contributes. But what it does is, you know, we don't trust people we don't know. And until we can understand the person beyond the professional, it's hard for us to feel seen and connected. So doing those kinds of little activities, 
people roll their eyes. They think, oh, this yeah. is a dumb icebreaker. Dumb, dumb, yeah, dumb ideas, but it works. You know, every Monday and, and Thursday, we get together as our team. So we do that. Uh, and on a regular basis. Now, we've been doing some of these things. I love the show and tell idea, but we, we get together and we play games and they're cutthroat. And but everybody's having a blast. And then we also talk about memories or what Olympic sport would you play if you could love it? You know, you know, Olympic athlete, what would you do? And it's surprising to hear what some folks would do. And it seems like we're already practicing some of that stuff to make it work. Yeah. And Tony Robbins, he says, you like people who are like you. And when you do those kinds of activities and we can start to build, they're called uncommon commonalities where we start to share some of these understandings and, and a credibility factor and that boosts trust. I think we all could agree that trust is a pretty important part of having a dynamic. Is there a stigma tied to loneliness? Yes. Unfortunately, loneliness is still very stigmatized. McGraw-Hill is the one who published our book and they refused to put the term lonely in the header or subheader. They said, absolutely not. We cannot yeah. include that word. I can understand why they do that. And by the way, McGraw has been one of my publishers on a book of mine as well. My, yeah. my second book. Yeah. But that for a marketing perspective, they don't want, you know, that would seem kind of like a downer right on the shelf, right? It's a downer on the shelf, yeah. but it is something that people are starting to be more open to talk about. Yeah. And, you know, we had an event with a, a large client and the title of the event was called Lessening Loneliness and Boosting Belonging. And yeah. the contact said, can we please change the title? And we said, no trust us. People are going to sign up for this. People want to learn about it. This is something that is on everyone's mind. And she let us run with the title and it was the most attended corporate event that they had last year. And it's one of those things where we're curious. It's like a new thing that we haven't really talked about or understood or addressed. We all know that we felt it before. We know someone who's felt it. And we're hoping that by you know the book and the work that we're doing from our speaking and from our media uh, is going to shed a new light on this because it's not shameful. It's a signal. It's not a black eye. It's a birthmark. It's something we all have an experience. And it's a really useful tool because it helps make sure that we're connecting with each other. I like how you did title the book a little bit better than using the word lonely, connectable, and how leaders can move teams from isolated to all in. So it gives them something to think about and something to do. And we've all experienced that loneliness, but you've helped to educate us today. Stephen, I want to thank you for joining us right here on All Business. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. And today is no exception. What I learned from Stephen today, that the essence of a tribe, the importance of being connected by having a tribe, whether it's your tribe workers, a tribe of coworkers, a tribe of other people that you really respect, but getting together and connecting is what it's all about. We've been believing that for a long time at the C-Suite Network. I certainly believe it in my business. The more connected we are, you know, breaking a little bread, having a little fun. I love that show and tell idea that I'm going to put into place right away. That's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.